Welcome back to another episode of The Money Barrel. This week, Kaylee got to spend some time talking to Shaylee Lord, fresh off her Mountain State Circuit Finals average and year-end championship. This soft-spoken, friendly cowgirl turns into a competitive, hard-to-beat contestant when she runs down the alley. Shaylee speaks from a different side of the industry. She takes younger, trained horses and seizes them to become wicked rodeo winners. We can't wait to watch her keep winning on CC until Can Man returns. If you're looking for a stallion for your 2022 breeding needs, Kale Limitless and Taking on Shawnee are outstanding picks and they come with their own incentive program. The KL Incentive Program matches what you win in any state and in any event. If you're riding a KL Limitless or Taking on Shawnee sired horse, you have the opportunity to win up to $5,000. KL Barrel Horses wants to put money back in the pockets of the people running foals by their stallion. These foals are user friendly horses that are trainable for all levels of riders. They want to make barrel horses, you won't get outran, they hunt a barrel, and the whole family can enjoy being around them. Go check out their website for updates and get your contract today. That's www.knlbarrelhorses.com. All right, Shaylee, the arena is yours. This is The Money Barrel. Last weekend was the Mountain State Circuit Finals, and we are getting the chance to talk to a good friend of mine, Shaylee Lord, who won the average and year end. So I'm excited to have you on. You've been you've been on our list of contacts, but um, thanks for finally being able to do it. Hey, thanks. Um, I'm so excited and glad you're having me. So what a year! Um, ups and downs and everything, but last weekend ended ended off right. Yes, for sure. Um, it's been an interesting, tough year and also had some great times. So it seems like last weekend was just a great a great ending. We really needed that. So the last couple of months have been a little bit tough. So it was awesome. So tell us about the circuit finals and the horse you rode since we know Can Man's hurt, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, how did you end it off so well without your number one in the trailer? Well, I rode Cece, and she is an 11-year-old mare. She's by Dash to Fame and out of a Sunfrost daughter. Um, and she's been in the trailer throughout the summer. Um, I run her, you know, kind of pick and choose where I run her. And then, of course, Can Man, I would pick the rodeos that he loved to ride. So uh, when Can Man got hurt, Cece was definitely, she was on call, so she had to step up and uh, we got home uh, after Pendleton. She had had about three weeks off to rest, and so I was just kind of getting her leg back up, and she was feeling really good, and so circuit finals went awesome. Um, she always seems, if the ground is good and holds her, she always seems to, you know, excel and do really well. So we were happy to be back at circuit finals to be in the event center um, last year with COVID, we were in the Budweiser Center and nobody was able to come in and watch. So it was really neat this year to be back there and to have the fans and family and everybody that could go inside. So she belongs to you, right? Yes. Yes. I've owned her for um, about three years. She came from Kelly Arismendi in Arizona and Jenna Cadwalder trained her and fraternitied her a little bit. And then Susan Siggins ran her as well. Um, after Jenna had finished and Kelly ran her also. So um, 
I think the three of them did an amazing job. She's a very, very special mare. Um, she has a little bit different style. I wouldn't say different style than Can Man. She's just different. She's real gritty. She's got a lot of speed. So you just have to be careful with that speed. It can it can go from zero to ninety and nothing. So. Yeah, especially with rodeo ground, if you don't know for sure if it's going to hold them, that kind of is a little bit scary. Exactly. So let's um let's go back before we get more. I have more questions about Can Man and everything, but um, I mean you've obviously been a part of the barrel racing industry, you know, for a while, and some people might know your background and some people may not. So just kind of go back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about your background and growing up. Okay, um, I grew up in a small town in the panhandle of Oklahoma, Texoma. It's uh, right near Diamond. Some people know the Diamond Pioneer Days. And my mom and dad both uh, were born and raised there, and that's where I was raised. And then in elementary school, we moved to Colorado Springs, where my dad worked for the PRCA for 17 years. So once we moved to Colorado, I started um, junior rodeos and little britches and uh, high school rodeo. Um, we I had a horse um, in little britches that was really nice and um, kind of getting started, going good. And uh, he uh, fell over and had a heart attack at a little britches rodeo. And after that, um, we kind of just were on the search for a horse. And I feel like I tried, I think we counted, I tried over 20 horses one summer. So I feel like that kind of made me a better rider, a better jockey, just kind of learning, you know, what styles I like, what styles to ride, you know, how horses are. So I think that kind of shaped into, you know, being being what, what you like, what you know, what you're looking for. And so that was that was right before... I would say that was probably uh, middle school, right before going into high school rodeo. So you've really been in rodeo and around, you know, the the pro rodeo and the big time rodeo scenes, kind of since you were just a kid. Yes, it really seems like it. Um, for sure, we would. I would always go to the NFR, you know, when my dad was working there. So that was always a highlight every December to go to the NFR and and watch that and be a part of it. Um, also, I think that with my dad working for the PRCA, um, he pretty much wrote the entry system. So and back in the day, that was when they took your entry on a piece of paper and did the entering, um, which is a lot has changed now. But I feel like, um, I don't know, my mom and dad helped so much with entering, and I feel like it's a little bit easier when you know the ropes um, than just you know, getting started and having to learn everything. So I feel like that's an advantage too. Yeah, for sure. So what, what horse did you choose and did you, I mean, rodeo obviously competitively throughout high school and college? Yes. So we ended up buying a horse from the Western Slope and he had already, um, he had made the high school nationals. And so we bought him the uh, people that we bought him from, she was a graduating senior and wasn't going to rodeo in college, so we were able to buy him, and that's what I started like my freshman year on. So we had a lot of success with him, and then 
went on to college rodeo at West Texas A&M University in Canyon. So all of that was, was a great experience and also good learning. So what, and this might be change over the years, but you know, you got, you guys looked at a lot of horses and now, I mean, you are known for being able to ride horses that other people have trained. So, you know, some people go the opposite route and buy the young ones and train them up. So how do you pick the styles that fit you best? Or, you know, how did you find the horses that you could go and win on? Well, I think if you know what you're looking for and you know the style that you like, or if you like a horse and you know you can adjust to ride how the horse is, if the horse is a winner, I mean, I think you can look at it in a couple different aspects. Um, I always, you know, look for horses, you know, that I can either that is winning or that I feel has the potential to win. So if I see somebody, I'm, I always look at horses, no matter what, if I need one or not, I'm always watching horses and I'm always looking for horses. Um, it seems like, you know, I like the ones that, you know, trainers bring up and bring along and, you know, if it looks like it has potential and can, you know, be rodeoed on or something like that. Um, I always like to have a young one, you know, that I'm kind of bringing up, but, um, it seems like everybody, you know, I sell it or, you know, things happen. So I always, it seems like I'm always looking for horses. We, we raise horses as well. We have a, you know, a breeding program, but they don't last long around here. It seems like, um, we sell them or they're used on the ranch or buy ends up roping on them. So, um, that's kind of how that ended. So kind of both aspects of the industry, but as far as your rodeo horses go, I mean, you, you're able to take them from, say, their fraternity trainer or just, you know, a, an aged horse that maybe hasn't rodeoed, and then you're able to take it and take it through that seasoning process. Yes, that's probably, that's my favorite, I would say, is to have them where somebody has started them when they're a little bit younger, haul them, and then if they've gone to the fraternities, then take them to the rodeos from the fraternities. I think that's what, you know, that's what I feel like I do best, and that's what I enjoy the most. So when you, I wanted to talk about your routes to the NFR, because you went first in 2005, right? Yes. And then just recently in 2019. So kind of tell us about, like, your route to the NFR the first time. Okay, the first time we purchased a slider in 2004, and we purchased him from a friend that I had college rodeoed with, um, Kirby Seal, and she actually had been at school with me in Canyon, and she had slider. I watched him all the time. She roped on him, ran barrels on him. They team roped on him. They did everything, and they had put him up for sale and didn't really think anything of it for a while. And then after, after a bit, I thought, you know, maybe I should try him. So, um, I rode him at the NRS arena. Um, that was my first run on him and it was an arena record. It was pretty unbelievable because I didn't really know how to ride him or what to do. And my dad told him to send him and see what he would do. And, the rest was history. So we bought him uh, the fall of 2004. At that time, um, Molly Powell had qualified for the NFR and didn't really have anything to ride. So 
my dad had mentioned something that we had just bought a really nice horse if she wanted you know to try to get along with him or take him to the nfr she was more than welcome to so she rode him one time she went to arizona on her way to the nfr in las vegas uh she rode him one time at Dunn's arena and ran a 16-7 on a standard on him there and off to vegas slider and molly went oh my gosh it was so exciting i had just ridden him you know a couple of times and then molly took him and so she ended up winning the average that year at the nfr she had um help from june holman's good horse sparky and then uh she had slider i think she won three go rounds on him and it was super exciting it was also a lot of pressure because after that i was like wow this horse you know we were looking to buy a horse to go to the circuit rodeos you know we had no high expectations um of making the nfr or anything like that and then after watching him at the nfr i was like oh my gosh yeah that he can do it now i have to so <laughs> we cracked out at denver and we won over twelve thousand at denver uh we ended up second that year and then we entered i that winter i did not enter um i didn't go to fort worth or san antone but after the winter rodeos we were we were number one going into like i would say going into may may and june the summer rodeos so it was pretty exciting for sure wow he just like and had he been seriously rodeoed on before or did he just take to it right away she had rodeoed on him but as far as like he hadn't been to any pro rodeos or anything like that i'm he had been to open rodeos and college rodeos, high school, stuff like that. He was um, 11, I believe, 11 or 12 when we bought him. So he had had a lot of seasoning, but I don't think that he was just the easiest in the world either because the stories that they tell about Slider, that how tough he was, and it was just he was not easy to get to where he was at that point. I remember watching videos of him. I mean, he didn't look very easy to ride, but clearly he just like you let him do his job and he was good to go absolutely yeah basically you just stayed out of his way and he's like you know let me do it so how did you decide you know that first year kind of where to go I mean obviously your dad had been involved in rodeo so you probably had a better idea than you know normally rookies have when they go out on the road um how did you finish off the year going to the finals so he, my dad kind of made a run for us as far as like the summer rodeos and the, um, the big rodeos, I think where, where Slider would excel and where we needed to win at. So um, we went, I would say circuit rodeos. I won the circuit that year as well. Um, we did the circuit rodeos, but then, you know, we went to Reno and made that big loop over the 4th of July. Um, and we ended up, we went in, I believe, third, third in the world. I think we ended up, we went in third, and I think we ended up third after it was all said and done. A couple costly barrels, uh, you know, kept us out of the world title, but it was exciting. I mean, and nothing, we had no expectations, so it was just unbelievable, to say the least. What was, like, your favorite part of your very first finals? I think that when you are qualified for the finals, you know, you're excited and you're looking forward to it. But you honestly, like, you 
don't know what to expect until you're there. I mean, to go down the alley of the Thomas and Mac is just, you know, like nothing before. I think the whole time was amazing. Um, just being a part of everything, the practice from the practices to, you know, before the rodeo, the back number ceremonies, um, being able, you know, to go down the alley all 10 nights, the support of family and friends. I think as a whole, it's a great experience. So what did your career path take after the finals? Because there's a little bit of time in between your first finals and your second finals. Absolutely. So the following year, we rodeoed. I ended up 16th in 2006. We hit a lot of barrels that winter um, that cost us going to the finals. And then a couple of years after that, I rodeoed and was in the top 20. Um, I broke my wrist one a fall like in September um kind of towards the end a couple years after that and then um we had Slade who is 11 he's 10 now and Steely is five so when I had the kids I just stayed a little bit closer to home and uh went to the circuit rodeos and went to jackpots and um I still still rodeo but maybe just not as hard as before if you were to ask my husband he says I always rodeo but maybe not traveled as far you know when the kids were when they were born and little um but I still the year Slade was born I he was born in July so I didn't go to the circuit finals that year but the year that Feely was born I did make the circuit finals that year so it's always been fun we have a great circuit um the rodeos you know as you know I feel like we have one of the best circuits there is. We have great rodeos and great committees, and um, the rodeos are close. You know, you can go on the weekends and be home during the week or whatever you need to do. So I really like the Mountain State. Yeah, it's one of the best circuits and one of the toughest. <laughs> it's, For sure. It's really hard. Yes. So when um, – when did your route, I guess, before we get into the second NFR, you and Can Man, um, obviously that's what a lot of people know you for right now is running Can Man or Freckles to Fame. Um, so tell us how you got matched up with him and then the path that kind of led to the 2019 NFR. Okay, so Joe and Carlos Spence, they own Can Man and they live here in Lamar. And they have been um, family friends with my husband's family, Phi, forever. Um, their son, Kyle, and my husband, Phi, grew up together. They're the same age, and so they graduated together. And um, they have known them for a long time. And Joe and Carla raised, you know, amazing barrel horses. And they were um, kind of just starting, I guess I would say, getting into the barrel horses a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and they had asked about Can Man and running him, and it actually worked out perfect. You know, I had a cowboy that I had run, and then I had a friend's horse, uh, Laura Nichols, uh, Jody's Special Dream, that really nice mare. I qualified for the circuit finals on her, and so after that, um, I didn't really have a whole lot of horses, you know, that I was riding, and so... Can Man was finishing out his maturity year with Ashley Schaefer, and he did really good. Um, he had won 
quite a bit his fraternity year. Um, and so I remember picking him up. It was July 11th, and we had went gone to a barrel race in Golden, Colorado, and I won the jackpot, and then we took him to his first rodeo that weekend, and he placed at his first rodeo. So I knew right then and there that he was going to be amazing. He was going to be a great rodeo horse, but also I knew that he was young, and so I wanted, you know, to do a good job, and I wanted to take my time and just season him along. Um, once again, with that, we nobody had any high expectations. We, you know, weren't like, well, we're going to make the NFR this year. I just wanted to season him along and just see how he did, and I think that's what they were looking for also. They just wanted to see what he could do. So... I think I remember that night in Golden. I think I was at that jackpot. And I was super excited to see you on him. It was so exciting. It was kind of one of those things. I just picked him up and made a run on him. And so I didn't really, didn't have time or hadn't had him very long, you know, to work him or anything like that, which seems like it's really awesome to do that and do good for sure. So what year was that? That was in... Um, was that so let's 16? see, I've had him seven, yeah, I've had him seven years this year and he was a five-year-old. So that would be in 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That was 2014. And then, so we seasoned along, um, that next summer, next couple of summers, I guess. Um, and then he really started. I mean, coming on and getting it figured out. I mean, that next, that following year, I ran him, took him to Cheyenne, and it, <clears throat> it's always an eye opener for a colt or a young horse, but it's good experience if they can handle it. So basically, just got him seasoned to rodeo ground and, you know, what, you know, our circuit rodeos and see how they do. So he really started to come on. Um, like in 2017 and then in 18, um, we ended up in the top 40, I believe we, uh, won Dodge city in 18 and we had, we had quite a bit of money won that year. I wish I would have gone to the Northwest because I feel like, I feel like I had a shot that year, but I wasn't, you know, we weren't, that wasn't in our, wasn't in our goals, you know, really. And so it was. After Dodge City, after I had won that, some of the rodeos in the Northwest, they had already closed. So it was hard to justify going up there just for a couple of rodeos. So I think that's um, what some people don't realize either is that like when you're either planning to go rodeo, you have to enter so far in advance that things can either start going badly and you're still entered up or if they start going good and you're not entered up, it's too late. So absolutely. you kind of have to, it's, I mean, you have to have a plan like months in advance and then see where it goes for sure you do have to have a plan and when you rodeo your plans can change 10 times in an hour i mean it's just unbelievable how things can change uh so quickly and you know you like you said you're entered up and you wish you weren't entered up and then when you are not entered up and you need to be there's nothing you can do about it so um so that year we were able, you know, to win enough to get into the winter rodeos. So then in 19, you know, we thought, okay, we have good shot. We're going to the buildings, you know, let's see how, let's see how he does. And he did 
he did awesome in the buildings. And so that gave us the start, you know, to head to the NFR in 19. Did you approach, you know, entering any different? Obviously, you know, there had been 14 years in between, or did you kind of know after years with Canman of where you wanted to go, or did you still kind of venture out and try new things to get there that year? I would say we stuck with the same plan of, you know, the rodeos that we wanted to go to and the rodeos that I thought he would like and take him to. And then obviously there were some new ones that we, there's some new, seems like there's new rodeos that you always go to, you know, um, that you try out and you can always say, yes, I'll go back or no, take it off the list for sure. But, um, he really excelled. Um, we placed good at Denver and Rapid City. And then we ended up second at San Antonio, which that gave us a huge boost. Um, his, his consistency is what makes him um, such a great rodeo horse because I believe if, you know, you have consistent horse and, you know, something like San Antonio where you have two to three runs in a short round, um, I think we won over 19,000 there. So that helped out a lot that winter. Yeah, being able to place consistently versus win or not place. I mean, consistent consistently placing is a far better route to go, even if you don't win every time. Absolutely, and that's where he did so good at. So when you got to the point that you knew you were going to the finals, did you prepare any differently? Because now you kind of knew what to expect, even though it had been a little bit of time? I think that... I don't know if I was, if you would say I prepared different, but I just knew more what to expect. Um, it was just so exciting, I think. Um, I didn't really, you know, want to make a lot of runs on him. There's kind of a catch-22. You don't want to make a lot of runs on him before, but yet he needs runs. So there's kind of a happy medium there, just getting him really legged up and in shape and tuned up and getting him feeling his best. I, you know, I think that was is the main key, you know, when you go to Vegas. So I would say just, you know, paying attention to everything, you know, all the details. And how did you prepare yourself? Um, Because we've talked to, you know, a handful of other past NFR qualifiers too, and everyone was like the mental side is so much harder than you realize when you get there. And it's all day you know, 10 runs, back to back to back. So how did you prepare mentally to go to Vegas? I think that really you just have to take, you know, one run at a time and you just have to like slow down and just prepare yourself, which you always think that it's going to be good and everything's going to be great. But when you walk down, like when you walk in the alley, when you head down, there's, there's, not another feeling like it and and you're nervous I mean normally I feel like I don't get that nervous but no matter what and no matter I mean how long you prepare yourself you're just like oh my gosh here it is so I think one run at a time and it's just such a long time and so many runs you just have to like you know slow down and take everything take everything in stride and just do your best to handle every situation, you know, as well as you possibly can. I think that's really valuable advice. I mean, most finals aren't 10 rounds, but there's a lot of association finals that are three rounds or, you know, uh, fraternities that are multiple rounds in a row. And I just think that's good advice, you know, approaching a multiple run event. Absolutely. 
Is that how you kind of, I wanted to ask about your mental game, like throughout the year rodeoing, because obviously, like you said, rodeos can be ups and downs. Um, and I really think the mental side is what separates the people that can win one year from, you know, people that can win for 20 years and on multiple horses. So, I mean, how do you keep your mental game sharp when you are going up and down the road? Well, I think you just have to, um, you know, take, like I said before, you know, take each run at a time. And then you have to be able to um, adapt to different situations and adjust and go on. As far as like the rodeos, you just don't ever know, you know, how it's going to, how it's going to be, how the ground is going to be. Situations change. And I think if you're, you know, if you're easygoing and you adapt and just like learn to move on, um, that's the best. There's, you know, times that, that the ground is not great and, you know, trying to make decisions to run or not run or run a different horse. And I think that you just have to like keep yourself calm and work through the situations. How has rodeo changed since like the first time you made the finals and the second times and what kind of has stayed the same from your point of view? I think the, I mean, I think the rodeos are, the same. I mean, rodeo is growing and there's different aspects of it, but as far as like the committees, I think the committees are still great. You still have a lot of people, you know, that's pulling and, you know, trying to make rodeo better. Um, as far as the barrel racing side, I think the horses are what is different, I guess. I think the horses are tougher and I think there's more, more people, more girls running barrels and there's places that I go, even in our circuit, and, you know, it's like you don't even know who some of these horses are, some of these girls are with amazing horses. So I think the competition level is is tougher, and I think there's more horses, more people, you know, everybody wants to do it, but everybody has nice horses as well. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's like in 2020 where there's like 200 plus at all the July 4th rodeos. I was like, I didn't even know there was 200 really really good pro rodeo horses out there <laughs> but there's way more than that absolutely i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy like yeah. this, this is it's really hard to win where are they you all coming to, from <laughs> yeah yeah you had to be you had to be up the right times for sure one of my favorite things that i'm taking away from your story i guess is that you take the horses that have already kind of been going you know, Artie may have had successful fraternity careers or, or showing talent and just because like their career really just gets started with you when they're six, seven, eight. Um, you know, when some of, sometimes I feel like they're, the aged horses are looked down upon because, you know, they're already past their fraternity year and everything. So when you get the horses that are a little bit older, past their fraternity year, and start seasoning them. I mean, how do you approach seasoning at the rodeos and kind of getting them used to different sights and sounds and the ground and all of that? Well, I think it's important just to, uh, you know, figure out your horse, how he is. You know, I always, you know, start out at slacks and where it's quiet, and I like to pick places um where I know the ground is going to be good, where it's going to be a good experience for them, and then just kind of build upon that. Um, I have, you know, experience in our circuit, so I kind of have a pretty good idea where the rodeos, you know, that we're going, um, 
you know, how the ground is going to be and what to expect. So I kind of have an idea that way. And then, you know, go to some jackpots too. I like to go to the jackpots in between the rodeos or um, sometimes, you know, in the off season, which there aren't many jackpots close to where I live in Lamar. So I have to travel north, you know, either to northern Colorado or south to Amarillo, which they have great barrel races you know, either direction. So uh, sometimes it's a little bit harder to get to the jackpots, but I think it's, you know, in the long run, it's good for seasoning as well. And I like that. I mean, you mentioned you've had Cece for three or four years and she's rodeoed with you, but she obviously didn't take the limelight. And then you had Can Man for, you know, a couple years before you really went down the road. Um, you know, I just think that's so important to hear from somebody who's done it successfully because I feel like sometimes these fraternity horses are bought and then, like, people want to go rodeo right away. And when they don't handle it or, you know, they have that learning curve, it's like you never see them again, even though maybe they just needed some more time. Yes, I agree. You know, some of these the horses that have won at the fraternities, then they have expectations that they have to win at the rodeos. But sometimes it just takes time and it's a process, you know, and that's always what I said with Can Man, you know, this is going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. And it was so much fun, you know, just easing him along. And he came on and, you know, basically at the right time, it was just really exciting. And I think, um, you know, some people maybe have a little bit high expectations when they get one that's one at the fraternities and, you know, just need a little bit of time and a little bit of seasoning. Um, but also, understandably, the market of the barrel horse industry today, you know, is very high. And when you pay a lot of money for a horse, you, you know, want to see results in the end. But sometimes it just takes a little patience and a little bit of time. Yeah, I I just think that's really important because you you want everything to go transfer, but it's a different beast. Rodeo is a completely different beast, and there's some horses that may not have excelled at the fraternities that take to rodeo really well. So you just never really know. Exactly, it's really hard to say. You know, after they um, have been at their fraternity year, it's really hard to know. Like who's going to be a rodeo horse and who's not. You can always say, yeah, I think they are, or no, they're not. But unless you really give it a full effort and a full, you know, if you don't try, you don't really know. So it's hard to say, you know, with that, unless you do it. Yeah, that was like my Lucy mare that I rodeoed on that one year. I don't think we could get a check at a jackpot in the 1D. We were like fifth every time. They would pay four. Like we would be one out of the money everywhere we went. And, and she was an amazing rodeo horse. Yeah, we went to the rodeos, and she's like, hey, this this is my G- deal. <laughs> like, keep me For here. Sure. So exactly. you just never know. No, you don't. And I think unless you try, you, you won't know. Well, thanks for stopping by. Want some more Shaylee in your life? Head on over to patreon.com and search The Money Barrel. For just $5 a month, you'll gain immediate access to an extra 15 minutes of interview with Shaylee where she talks about Can Man, seasoning horses to rodeo, and more. 
You also gain immediate access to episodes with guests like Sharon Hall, Andre Quelo, Latresa Mundorf, and more, as well as two special episodes only released to Patreon members with 2021 National Final Rodeo qualifiers Molly Otto and Amanda Welsh. You won't want to miss hours of extra content for just the cost of one exhibition. Don't forget to check out knlbarrelhorses.com and get your 2022 breeding contract booked today. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.